Hi, I'm Tracy Minoknuku, the host of the Sexy Aging Podcast and author of My Menopause Memoir. I started my podcast to open up the conversation for women transitioning through menopause because nobody was talking about it. In my podcast, you'll have all your questions on midlife health, fitness, longevity, career changes, and relationships answered with some of the world's leading experts in these fields. Midlife is an amazing time to evaluate how you're going to live the second half of your life. I recommend you do this with a bit of sass and keep it sexy. You can find my podcast anywhere you tune in to listen to your favourite podcasts. My Sexy Aging Lifestyle course is officially live and online at www.sexyaging.com. Subscribe and use the podcast listener's discount code SEXYAGING10 to learn all you need to know about changes in hormones and what you can do about it. There's lots of fitness training and nutrition advice and downloadable PDFs to set you on the right path to feeling sexy. Put your hand up if you're a sucker for TV reality shows. Yeah, me too. It's a little embarrassing to admit, but so fun to watch, right? If you want to compare your narrative and notes with other ladies of a certain age, then tune in to the Dames Who Dish podcast. These ladies will discuss all the good, bad, and embarrassing of TV reality shows. The Dames started their podcast because they didn't hear from anyone with their perspective, basically anyone born in the 70s and 80s. The reality TV podcast world is saturated with young mums talking about the shows and the Danes decided to provide a different narrative. The ladies are fun, enthusiastic and love to dissect reality and streaming shows. So for some entertainment and good laughs, check in with the Danes Who Dish on any podcast hosting platform. What an absolute pleasure it was to interview Nikki Bazant, the author of This Changes Everything, a number one selling book on menopause and perimenopause. Nikki is a well-known writer, journalist, speaker and author in New Zealand. I'm confessing right here that Nikki's magazine Thrive has broken my magazine buying hiatus and it's my new favourite indulgence. Nikki and I discuss her journey to writing a book on a topic that was barely spoken of as well as the state of the menopause conversation within New Zealand and for New Zealanders. You can find out more on Nikki and her book in the show notes. Let's crack on, shall we? And it's a good morning to Nikki Bazant, a fellow Kiwi here in New Zealand. Um, so for any of the Americans out there, I know that you love listening to us. You've got double it today um, and I want to welcome Nikki to the Sexy Aging podcast. She is an author, a writer, a journalist, a speaker. Um, what else? Do you have any special skills that I don't know about? Something you want to share right now? <laughs> special skills? My goodness. Do you do uh, baking? Oh, you actually take amazing photos of uh, amazing food in New Zealand of, you know, well, I start salivating. Thank you. Yeah, no, well, I started, I started out as a, well, I have had a long career as a food writer as well. So I've, I've written a couple of recipe books. 
Uh, oh, so, okay. so the food the food thing is also you know just part of my jam I'm not a baker really <laughs> yeah um, no leave it so to someone else yeah but uh, other kinds of cooking that I love I love all that yeah yeah so we are catching up today because you've written a bestseller book called this changes everything it's hot um the honest guide to menopause and perimenopause and it went to the number one bestsellers in New Zealand book list so congratulations Nikki that's absolutely amazing thank you so much yeah that was a big thrill for me too actually really big yeah thrill. it's yeah. definitely something to be celebrated and I think while you get to celebrate it because you poured your heart and soul into it and I know that we're going to talk about that I think for women in New Zealand you know who've managed to go into any bookshop in New Zealand and pick up a copy they're probably celebrating because you are telling their story especially women who are going through the menopause transition so it is um, something for all of us to celebrate really isn't it yeah, I've had some wonderful feedback, actually, which has made it, all of the work, um, you know, feel really worthwhile. It's important to me to do meaningful work and to help people. And this, I've had wonderful feedback from women saying just that, that it's really helped them. So that makes me feel, you know, really good, actually. That's yeah. the reason for the long hours and the, the you know, the research and the, the study. Many, and many, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so just share a little bit of your background. I, I know we've already touched that you, you know, that you're a writer, that you write for certain publications, that you're actually still doing that today. Did that, is that something that you were doing from a young age or is, yeah, like where did that all start from? Sure. Yeah. And I've always been, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was little. <laughs> In fact, since I was yeah, a child, really, I've, I've loved writing and that's been the thing that I get the most joy from. Um, so I knew I wanted to be a writer and I, and I have had a, a sort of circuitous path through different forms of writing throughout my career but I, that's always been something that I have done uh, and then I was a magazine editor for many years I was the founding editor for Healthy Food Guide magazine which was a very successful food mag it's still going actually yep, in Australia still going. yeah 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 <laughs> um, yeah so so and then so I yeah I and then so that sort of got me into the health um, space I guess writing around health and nutrition uh, and then it's kind of naturally just flowed on from there over the years. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I've been out of the country for, you know, two decades, but I feel like I had heard of you. <laughs> and I think it was because of the food writing and and also through health, maybe a little bit through fitness. Um, you know, I lost touch with sort of what was going on in New Zealand, but I do remember hearing about you and some of the things that you were writing about. I want to dive now into probably your greatest work to date. I, I think it's, you know, we've already said yay for this book and everyone thinks it's the hottest thing out. So um, my question is, is this a personal reflection on a time of your life that you started to dive into what the fuck is going on with my body and my mind and why isn't there anything to help me with this? Is it sort of, is that where you kind of got started with your book? It is really, yeah. It was. It was the. Um, it, there's been a long project, and it had took me about two years, start to finish, to do this. Um, so it start, I actually started pre-pandemic, which is a weird thing. Like just before the just before the lockdown, the first lockdown in 2020 um, was when the idea kind of formed, and it came from. I was just. I was 49 then, so I'm like I'm 51 now. So it was. It was that age where these things are starting to happen that you just like we don't know what's going on you know weird things are happening when you've been your body and things and conversations are starting conversations with my friends who are similar age 
all that sort of thing was in the background. And I had a chat to um, one of, or to the head of publishing at um, Penguin, Claire Murdoch, and she said, listen, there hasn't been a menopause book written in New Zealand for 15 years. Um, uh, Beverly Lawton, the, the excellent menopause doctor, had yeah. written one, but it was back in 2005. And so, you know, things have moved on since then, and there just really isn't anything. And so I went, oh, okay, oh, that's interesting. And I went away and did some research on actually what was out there. And, you know, went to the library, had a look in the bookshops, had a look at the books that were available, had a look at the information that was available online. And there was really... Crickets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not just crickets, but just stuff that wasn't, it didn't feel relevant to me and my generation, you know, our generation. Yes. It, it didn't yeah. feel like it really was speaking to me, what was there. And so I went, you know what, there is, this is definitely something that I want to look at and um, and delve into. And so it just sort of started from there. And then we, re we realized that this is, there is definitely something worth doing here um, yeah. and why and why at that point you know I mean we're talking about it a lot more now but what at that point really no one was talking about this topic um, and in fact I was told I was told by a lot of people because I would I wanted to start I wanted to I thought in my wisdom that I could have done I could have written a book and done a podcast at the same time that turned out to be nonsense but, but you know <laughs> but I but I pitched the book and oh, I pitched the podcast idea to, to quite a few um, of my media contacts and and I was told pretty much no one's interested in this you know why would anybody want to listen to, basically why would anybody want to listen to that which we now know obviously is not is rubbish as well but um, there was little appetite amongst mainstream media let's say and particularly men in mainstream. Oh, media. yes. Well, that's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing, isn't it? It's like, yeah, that, that's yeah. Where, the, where the block is, is that, oh, well, we wouldn't, why would we want to listen to that? And my answer would be, so how's your wife going with that? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Do you know a woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so that's kind of how it started. And, and then, so the book came from that. Um, and then it was, was really just um, a lot of research and, um, you know, talking to women. I interviewed well, I mean, I talked to hundreds of women. I, I did a survey. Yes. I want to talk women. about the survey. So that's actually, a, it was absolutely brilliant. So when I first started reading the book, that was one of the first things was, okay, so you really did the research across New Zealand and you put a survey out there. Um, you know, putting a survey together is, is actually a really difficult thing around this particular topic because there are 35 known symptoms and counting rising. Yeah. Um, so like, where do you get started? <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, so the survey, it comes back and what's, is there anything that really surprises you? Um, I had already done a lot of work before I did the survey and I'd already talked to a lot of women. So I don't know that there were surprises. It kind of confirmed what I had already discovered, I think, which was, and the surprising things out of that, out of the whole piece of work, were really uh, how, how many women knew so little. Yeah. You know, how many of us get to this point in our lives and, and actually go, as you said, what the fuck is going on here? Well, I don't know anything about this. I mean, literally, we knew we knew next to nothing. And I was the same when I started, really. I, I had only just heard of perimenopause as a, as a concept, and I didn't know anything really about what was going to happen in menopause, except that my periods would stop and I probably would have some hot flushes and maybe be a bit grumpy. And that was the extent of a lot of women's knowledge as well and so when it hit them all these other things hit them um and some for some women quite hard and in quite yeah. really difficult ways 
uh, it was it was a complete blindside. You know, they just didn't see it coming. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing, which was quite sad, is is how many women felt alone about mm. it, who felt that they were the only one suffering in this way, or who thought that they were going crazy, or who thought they were getting dementia. You know, all these kinds of things because it wasn't being spoken about. So those two things were quite uh, were quite surprising. Yeah. yeah, I had a really similar experience. So. You know, living in Asia, even talking about periods is kind of taboo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, over time, I had my my sort of cohort of Asian girlfriends increase because over time, your expatriate people move on. <laughs> um, but I had a kind of a close group of expatriate girlfriends, and the whole time I was living there, nobody spoke about it. Right. Which is super interesting, right? And mm. I would have been sort of middle of the age group. So our age would be sort of 40 through to about 52. Mm. That was the group. And nobody spoke about it. And I was going through it and I didn't know who to talk to about it. And I'd actually, like you, never heard of the word. I think menopause was a word I was familiar with, but I yeah. associated it with, with much older women, like yes. maybe late 50s. Yeah. And perimenopause, I'd never heard of the word. And I just feel so let down because being a fitness professional, like why have we not heard about that? We need to understand how that affects our health and wellness generally, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah that, that kind of blew me away. And I still think, I still get a little thing in my tummy when I think like, why did I not know, you know? And then nobody spoke about it. And then of course, you know, if I do bring it up with my sort of Asian girlfriends, they're just like, oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't happen to us. I'm like, yeah, yeah actually it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens to everybody, right? It happens to everybody with ovaries. Yeah. So um, so it's, yeah. a, it's a kind of a, there are some cultural aspects around the place as well. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it's really, it was, it, it's a, because it's all tied up with aging uh, and this idea yeah. of, yeah, yeah, of, of women's relevance as we get Redundancy. older in society <laughs> becoming diminished and all these kinds of, um, you know, quite yeah. misogynistic things. Um, yeah, it's no wonder that we've internalized a lot of that as women over the years. But I, I do think that our generation is going to be the one to break out of that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I really hope that the, the women coming after us, generation coming after us, and younger women are going to be much more empowered to talk about this and to know what to expect as well. I mean, that's what part of my mission now is to really help younger women um, know what's coming and yeah. feel and feel you know empowered about empowered, that. not afraid, yeah. yes, not exactly. not freaked yeah. out. Like, oh shit, something not to look forward to about aging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Like, let's change the narrative. So I'm going to join yeah. arms with you on that, Nikki, because yeah. I do feel that. The people that I want to reach out to are the woman entering the 40s. Yep. You know, because that for me was a was a defining moment of life. I think a lot of women feel, okay, 40, there's trepidation Mm. with that whole 40. But I think if you flip it on its head, it's naughty 40s, it's wonderful. It's uh, you you know, you you really kind of know who you are and Mm. where you want to spend your time and what you want to be doing and physically as well. That's actually also, you know, you've had maybe had kids. If you I had a pregnancy at 42 so you know <laughs> that was a bit wow, of an yeah. effort but I think yeah. in your 40s a lot of women have had their kids and they're starting to kind of take a little bit more care of their own wellness and find those pockets of time to yeah. you know pay attention to maybe some core training or some strength training or something and they start to feel really empowered in that way 
but they mm. don't realize that they've only got a shorter period. It's not that long before things go a bit AWOL. And I feel like I want to share content and information, which is going to keep them in that empowered mental state, which is wonderful, mm. but get them ready for the physical bumpy road. Yeah, um, I think know? that's a really good point too, because as you've identified, um, it's an opportunity when you're pre perimenopause really you've got an opportunity to get yourself in as in as good a shape and as good a um, state health-wise as possible to get before you get into that into that tricky transition yeah I think I think I I feel and I I don't know I don't really have um, evidence in terms of in terms of research to, to back this up but my feeling is that probably it's a little bit like pregnancy in the sense that the healthier you are going in the better time you are likely to have through the transition. Yeah. Um, and certainly on the other side. Yeah. 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 And so I kind of one of my messages in, in, in the book too is, yeah. is that this is an opportunity for you to get yourself set up in some really good habits for the next, you know, maybe half of your life you still have left. So, so yeah, there's a bit of that as well. I think we have to not just think about this transition that we're going through, but actually what happens after. Yeah. Yeah. And how we how we support our health for that time too so that we are so that we are kick-ass old ladies you know I want to be yes. you know still you know doing all the things that I do now and, and still being able to use my body in the way that I want to use it um as for as long as I can yeah so yeah it's about that healthy aging as well yes no I mean and that's that's the best way to frame the whole aging conversation it's it's healthy aging and it's longevity yeah. and it's yeah. like bringing more to your life and to those relationships that you have just just continue to grow it and grow it hey so yesterday um i think today actually this is just in a, a segue um today we launched a podcast episode on dying <laughs> oh so, okay yeah but um it really just highlighted that when you get when you get to a point where you actually have to open up the topic on dying it does make you go um okay so if the end is just over there and who mm. knows how far away it is what are all the things I'm doing today to live my purpose you know yeah. and where I'm going with this is it's I do feel like that that for me personally the menopause transition has highlighted that even more it's like it's it's probably the the best thing that's come out of the shit show is that real deep knowing of hey life is to be lived and there's some pretty mm. awesome stuff that we could be doing there are great people we could be talking to there is amazing opportunities and I'm not over the hill yeah. how do you feel about that I'd like to get your take on that too I think we're kind of similar but we've never that's... spoken yeah, yeah yeah no I think you're right and I feel like um a lot of women the women that I've talked to who have are out the other side you know who've got through the transition through the bumpy road as you say um many of them do feel like, hey, this is awesome now, you know, like my life is really good and I am, you know, I'm just going to embrace it. And I, I want that for myself as well. I mean, I'm still, I would put myself in late perimenopause at this stage. So I've probably still got a way to go. Yeah, are you the same? Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, yeah. Based, on, based on what's going on with my cycles and my body and everything, you know, mm. like that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and I'm hoping that it's not going to get too much rockier, but I honestly don't know. I, I you know, we none of us know. Mm. Uh, but I do feel like, you know, this is a power time. This is this is a time when we can really, 
yeah, we can find ourselves. I think women lose themselves a little bit sometimes in midlife because there's a lot going on as, as I'm sure, you know, everyone that you've talked to has said, we are, we are handling a lot. We're juggling tons of stuff at this time in our life. We've got career, which is probably at its, at its height. We've got families, we've got kids, we've got relationships, we've got community, we've got friends, all these things. We've probably got parents who are older mm. who maybe need some more support and that's only going to um, continue. And so it's a really, really, one of the women I interviewed, so she, she said it's a very dense time. And that's such a good description. It's a really yeah. dense time of life, midlife. I mean, you get this sort of physical hormonal change that comes on, comes upon us and sort of throws everything up into disarray and it's very easy to lose yourself um and so I feel now mm, I feel I feel like I might have had that experience a little earlier I it probably I probably a few years ago before I before I left my marriage um, yeah. and I had lost myself a little bit I think yeah in that relationship and so and so now I I know myself much better. And, and so I feel like I'm, I'm going to be fine going through this bit uh, because it's, I, I know who I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really beautiful. I know, you know, whoever's listening to that is, will, will feel really uplifted actually. Cause I was just sort of feeling like, wow, you, you actually, you're touching on something pretty vulnerable, um, you know? And I was just thinking, I think, while the physical symptoms are really challenging for a lot of women and it takes up a lot of personal energy and thinking about, oh, I'm having a hot flush now or yeah. I'm not sleeping. I mean, those physical symptoms impact you, most women, yeah, pretty tough. But I personally feel that um, the mental symptoms are probably the worst yeah. part of it. Yeah. yeah. Would you agree? I would agree. And actually, it's interesting because the, when I first started researching for the book, when I first started reaching out to women to say, <clears throat> to say, would you like to, who would like to talk to me about menopause? Um, the women who came forward, what they wanted to talk about was the mental health struggles, you know, was that was the anxiety, the depression, the, the rage, the low mood, the, the feeling just not themselves, all of that mental stuff was was the first thing that came up and I was surprised by that too because yeah. I hadn't at that point had not realized how much of a mental toll perimenopause can take on women yeah. so now of course I know that that's one of the main the main things yeah people feel like they're going crazy um but yeah that, that I think that's definitely true that the mental struggle is probably even more difficult than the physical because women are used to physical struggles right we have babies we have you know we have periods <laughs> we know all of that shit and we just get yeah. on with it we're used to getting on with it that way and for sure some of the physical stuff is pretty awful and and the flushing and the sl not sleeping the sleep is a really really bad one um but the mental health stuff is is the worst I think for most women when they're yeah. struggling yeah no I, I I would absolutely agree and I feel like if say for example if we have significant others partners husbands in our lives if they knew that part and and the part that they play in support role for women going through perimenopause it really is about the mental support for them then I think if there's one thing that we can do together me through the podcast you through your book to try to highlight that this is this is uh everyone understanding you know menopause and yeah. this is how we support each other 
What do you do when your mom has had Alzheimer's for more than a decade and you suddenly become her primary caregiver? When I went looking for answers, I ended up creating a podcast. Welcome to Fading Memories. I'm your host, Jen. This podcast offers advice, wisdom, and hope from caregivers who have lived the experience and survived to tell the tale. Think of us as your caregiver best friend. We discuss all things caregiving, self-care, aging well, brain health, and have fun along the way. You might not be able to call us at 2 a.m. to vent, but we're here for you anyway. Tune in weekly for inspiration to help you manage your caregiving journey. Find Fading Memories wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. I'm actually really surprised. I find, I find um, Kiwi woman generally a little reserved. And so the fact that so many have sort of said to you, like, I really want to talk about this part. Mm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that they did highlight that for you and it became, you know, an important thing to talk about. So, yeah, yeah, I am too. And I think that what it shows is that just no one's ever asked them before. You know, yeah. like I've, I've had women open up to me about their vaginas and about their, yeah. you know, about their sex life and all of these intimate things. Women I don't know, strangers, you know, I've been able to interview them um, on all of that stuff. And I just think they're so willing to talk about it because no one's ever asked them about it before. Not even their doctor, you know. That's it, isn't it? They've yeah. been bottling it inside, holding it inside, and then someone sort of gives them a forum and an yeah. opportunity yeah, and yeah. they get to be a more anonymous, I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't used any last names or anything in the book, and it's it, yeah. it is um it is really the the message is that you're not alone. Okay, so when yeah. you when you read this or any of the books, um, and you read the stories about other women, and you then you can understand that you're not alone. And also, I mean, I think the thing that the really important thing and and that this here is is um there's so many things that you can do for all of these, all of these issues that you, that you can have. The, the message needs to be, look, you don't have to suffer in silence and you don't have to just put up with it. There's actually tons of stuff that you can do that will help. And it doesn't have to be medication. It can mm. be, but it doesn't have to be. It can be, it can range all the way through from like just management stuff to, you know, medication. And there's all kinds of things that will be a jigsaw puzzle of stuff that fits together that will probably help, you know, and everyone's different. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think this is where we're up to. Um, and I guess we're both, we've both been going through the research and the conversations for a number of years, maybe two, three years, like solid. Mm. Um, and so I've been watching the conversation swing around, okay, you should do these things naturally. And now, oh, and here's HRT. And now yeah. you should, you should really be doing this. Yeah. And I kind of sit back and observe and you're probably similar I think we're similar and go okay so what does the science say what does the research say what do the experts say um, and what do I know personally about my body and what is good for me and mm. make a decision based around that so we're really lucky that we are in this situation where we've been able to reach out to those experts and find out the information that works for us personally I decided to take HRT and I haven't looked back mm. Prior to that, I did 95% of the recommended wellness management things for menopause. Mm. And there was that 5% that was still messing with me and HRT's the icing on the cake. So yeah. I've, I've been very open about that, mm. but I do feel like, okay, we don't really need to be swinging between one camp no. and the other, right? Like I no. think 
yeah, we if we can open up the conversation so women understand that there is a myriad of options. Yeah. And when you can talk to the right people, find the right information and make the right decision for you, that's probably but that's where I'm at. I'm just like, yeah, I, no, I think that's I think that's such a good approach, Tracy, because um because really everyone is different and and you're the only one that can make decisions about your own health and you know yourself, you know your own body. Um, like I, I'm not on HRT at the moment, but I wouldn't hesitate to to go onto it. And if I if I need it at some point, you know, which I may do. Right now, my symptoms, I am managing through other th- other ways, you know, and and a lot of those, <coughs> pardon me, a lot of those lifestyle things are really helping. Yeah, and do really help just with general health anyway, and they're things that I have always done. But um, but for sure, I will look at other options if I need them. I, and I'm not, I would never be shy about doing that. And, and I feel completely, yeah, I feel completely comfortable doing that. Um, and really the answer is never just one thing. Like, yeah. you know, I've been writing about health and nutrition for 25 years, right? Yeah. It's never, mm-hmm. it's never one thing. There's never one solution. There's never one magic food. There's never one magic supplement. There's never one thing that solves all the problems. It's always going to be multiple things as you've identified, you know, all of your lifestyle things, all of your exercise, your diet, your sleep, sleep and your stress management, all these things are really important. And then maybe you need a little bit of extra help on top of that. And that can be the HRT. Um, or other medications, you know, there's tons of other medications as well that are prescribed that are non-hormonal. So it's just an individual thing for everyone. Mm. Um, and it's never, ever going to be one magic solution. I think we always like to find, we always like to look for one magic solution. And that goes for all kinds of things. You know, weight loss is a big thing. I'm sure you, you've had a lot of experience in that area too. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants <laughs> a magic solution for weight loss, but there, you know what, there isn't a magic solution. It's always no. going to be you know, a, a range of things that you do consistently over time. Yep. Just just chipping away at it and and then you can see and feel the benefits, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what was the toughest symptom for you? And you've talked about, you know, that you've been able to implement some um, management lifestyle uh, tools to help you with the symptoms. So can you highlight the, the core symptom and what do you actually do to support that? Um... The toughest symptom. Okay, so I haven't had a lot of flush. I mean, I have had a few flushes and night sweats and things, but that's not really been major for me so far. I so I, the thing that has been the most probably um, troublesome for me. Hmm, you know, it's kind of a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I mean, the brain fog. The brain fog is one thing that's really that is quite alarming, especially in my work. You know, yes. because I'm I'm a words. communicator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's very frustrating to lose words. Um, and I don't know that I've really nailed the solution to that one yet. Um, the I, I have had some joint pain issues, which have been fairly, you know, that's been distressing. Um, and the solutions, the solutions for that are partly um, partly medication, like you know, just you know, pain management medication, but also a lot to do with exercise. Um, you know, the exercise really helps me there, mm-hmm. moving my body, keeping mm-hmm. things, keeping things strong, keeping my muscles strong. You know. Yeah. Um, that's all really important there because it's really annoying to be like, you know, your knees hurt when you go downstairs. That's like an old lady thing. Yeah, I'm right. Like, You're like, I'm not freaking yeah. 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I wasn't very keen on that whole scenario. Yeah. So yeah, so definitely the exercise has been the main thing that's helped me with that um, so far anyway. And I and I, there is some evidence that HRT can help with that, but doesn't always. Okay, so, so I'll put my hand up and say those yeah. were 
uh, I, um, sleep challenges, brain fog, which I think there's a link, um, and oh. joint pain were my top three. Yeah, and, really. And the reason that I took HRT. Okay, so yeah. that's helped for your joints. Yeah, because I'm in the fitness industry and I'm still kind of teaching and role modeling yeah. and stuff. So it's not like I can kind of go in and, you know, <laughs> participate if I'm teaching the class. Yes, yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's a certain amount of physicality and I just didn't like the way I, it was feeling. And I thought, yeah. well, seriously, I'm done. Like my whole <laughs> life spent here and it's like finished because my knee hurts or yeah, my hip, yeah. my back. Yeah. And and then the sleeping, it was, they were kind of impacting on each other. So of course, yeah. the sore joints actually hurts at night and yeah. you lie down and it's like freaking painful. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was the thing. And, and I can honestly say hand on heart that that has helped tremendously. Oh, well, that's really good to know. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of lifestyle things. Like there's definitely dietary things to look into to, you know, boost your omega-3, increase yeah. your amount of olive oil but you know that's a shitload of olive oil i'm telling you <laughs> yeah 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 that's a yeah, lot I mean, yeah to yeah. like literally drink the stuff <laughs> yeah i know i mean the anti-inflammatory yeah. kind of a diet i mean that's kind yeah. of the base, baseline for me anyway yeah same um but yeah, yeah but yeah i mean that's for sure that's a that's a thing that is important yeah, yeah. but but yeah again you have to balance up you know drinking tons of olive oil as you say <laughs> with uh with the the calorific value of that olive oil yeah, yeah. hello um, yeah. So you and I probably pay attention to some of the things that are happening in the UK. And it seems like there's a massive, well, I don't know what, like, I try to think, is it because I've jumped into the rabbit hole of menopause that now mm -hmm. I see it all around me? And in the UK, of course, there's a lot of things happening across sort of education, healthcare, government support, the workplace. Yeah. Um, so there is a real ramping up in the conversation and I feel like women of our age are getting really quite assertive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> With to the see. messaging. Yeah. So it does, it's amazing that we're on opposite ends of the world and yet there is uh, quite a lot of influence to stuff that's starting to happen in New Zealand. Yeah. In your personal opinion, what is the very first thing we could pay attention to in New Zealand to make a difference for women who are going through the menopause transition right here, right now? I think it's two things really, and it's starting already. And the first thing is education of women. You know, women need to know what's going on, need to understand what's going on in their bodies. I mean, it's what you're doing with your work. It's what I'm doing with my, with my book and my speaking. It's actually um, helping people understand what this is all about so that we then are empowered to go and seek help. And then the second part of that puzzle is that the, the medical um, establishment and GPs in particular need to be a little bit more up with the play on treatment options. Uh, because it is patchy, I would say. It is very patchy, the kind of response that you're going to get when you seek help with a GP, particularly if you're asking for hormone therapy. Um, or is hormone therapy going to help me? Or is hormone therapy right for me? You know, the education level amongst doctors is really low. Yeah. Or is, it's just patchy. They have to be interested in it to seek out the information on it. And they have to really work a bit hard to get to be up with the latest research and that's not that's not ideal when you're when you're looking for how and so women are getting wrong information from the gp when they go sometimes they're being told oh no we don't we don't prescribe that that's not good for you which is or, or you're too true. young or you're too young or <laughs> oh no you're not you're not you can't be in 
than menopause yet. Um, well, you need a blood test. <laughs> yeah, or here, or yeah. have have some antidepressants. You know. Yes. I had a girlfriend in the US who was prescribed antidepressants and she knew that she was in menopause because, you know, we've been in conversation. Uh, she listens to the podcast and there was quite a few mm. sort of experts who had gone on and talked about, you know, the symptoms, HRT, all these kind of things. And mm. so she said, oh, so I went off to my doctor and the first thing he prescribed me was antidepressants. And she yeah. goes, I'm not fucking depressed. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's so annoying, but that, annoying. that is a common yep. story. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and the thing about blood tests is also a common story. You know, taking a blood test is useless and it's not going to work. But still, even some doctors say, oh, well, we'll just test your hormones. I had you know. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. it tells them nothing. It gives yeah. them a snapshot of where your hormones are on that one day at that one time. Yeah. So I think that the level of education amongst doctors is um, is something that needs to be addressed at a systemic level. So, you yeah. know, 50% of your patients are going to be women. If you're a doctor, you should know. Uh, the basics of women's health and this is one of the things that will happen to every single woman um, and, and so it's it's really it's not acceptable that, that they don't know how to treat that some of them yeah mm. yeah I agree uh, and that's global by the way yeah. I've had yeah, conversations with people you would too yeah people mm. in America um, it's very much the same there is this level of misunderstanding particularly around HRT amongst medical professionals which is really uh shocking and shouldn't be the case yeah so they're, they're ahead of us in the uk on that score um and and it's certainly all the conversations they're having in public life and in politics and in, at, at policy level uh and in workplaces is really helping that so hopefully we'll get there as well yeah no i'm looking forward to that and i think and i'm optimistic mm. that we're going to see that accelerate quite quickly yeah, yeah I, I hope like, so too you know yeah. Even just the last couple of years, like with you, so when you started your book, when you yeah. started researching, the book's out. And I feel like there's actually been, it looks like there's been quite a lot of um, groundswell already. And yeah, yeah I think there has. I think there definitely yeah. has. It's been just in the, even in the last sort of even six months, it's been um, just a lot more conversation going on, um, which is can only be a good thing. It's and people only go, a good oh, thing. menopause again. You're talking about menopause all the time. It's like, yeah, we are. We haven't talked about it for 20 years. We're talking about it now and we're not going to stop. Yeah. Because, you know, our girl, well, my girl is, uh, my daughter's 17. And ah, yeah. yeah. So we we had the bookends. We had, <laughs> yeah. we had the, you know, the, the periods with the perimenopause mum and the bah. And Fun everyone times. was like, okay, everyone's okay with her moodiness and like not acceptable yeah. over here, mum. But um, the good thing is she knows everything about perimenopause and she will call me up. She's in, she's in boarding and she'll call me up and say, um, so I think that this teacher is like <laughs> oh. really perimenopausal right now, mum. Yeah. And I said, well, just, you know, give her a copy of the book. <laughs> yeah be, yeah you know, and be, kind, and be kind to her you know be kind to her yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah she says yeah I can see it she goes I'm sitting back and I'm watching her losing the words to explain what's been. <laughs> and she's, right yeah and yeah. uh so yeah I feel proud for that because you know she, awesome. she's going to grow up and it's like a stage of life and they're going to yeah. know so much more and have a much better understanding and empathy for the woman around them as well yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking yeah. to our daughters is really important and our sons, you know, talking yes. to, yeah, yeah, everyone needs to understand this more. So I think, you know, just keep talking about it, all of us. <laughs> yeah. So when you say that, people tell you, oh, you're talking about it again. Don't stop. <laughs> I'm not stopping. No, 
we're not stopping <laughs> definitely hey, not Mickey, thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the sexy aging podcast and i'm excited for this episode and um, I just want to give a shout out to any listeners don't forget that there's a survey and a poll at the end of every episode Um, so let us know how you feel about the content that we're putting out any questions that you've got you can always reach out to me in the Spotify questions thank you so much Nikki kia ora you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed talking with my guest. I'm so grateful to learn that so many people are sharing the podcast with their families and friends. If you are a new listener, then I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'd also love to know how you feel about the content, so take a quick minute to review and send your feedback. If you're a Spotify listener, there is also a poll and a question at the end of every episode, and I'd love to gain your insights there. Till next time, Keep it sexy.